Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast within the Pigskin Podcast Network. Before we get started, we want to offer our thanks to Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. So if you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to check out purplepainforum.com. With that said, uh, we do have a game to talk about, whether we want to talk about it or not. I'm a little bit more excited to talk about it, I think, than you are. Kyle, how are you feeling? Yeah, um, Sam brought this up just before we got started. He did message me uh, before the game and said, or maybe it was like just as the game was beginning, but definitely before any outcome was clear, for sure. Uh, and said that it feels like a Lions win today or, or something to that effect or a Vikings loss. Um, and so that that just makes it even worse. That makes that makes it even worse. It, to be clear, I am not cheering against the Vikings. I like I when I say I'm more likely to talk about the game, it's like I know Kyle, like this is the last place he wants to be in some ways, although this might be therapeutic. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't care as much and I just sent that message just saying you know what it just they just felt with everything that's happened this season I really wasn't feeling as confident I know Kyle had come in last week saying I don't know what the number was it was over 90 percent that you felt confident about this team and where they're at um I I felt very and and we were talking about that saying like it's it can't be a trap game because you just came off disappointing loss so it's not like you're riding high off a three-game winning streak and then you fall into the trap like you should have a sense of urgency, obviously, and uh, I guess it's not so obvious. Yeah, well, you know, let just just so disappointing all the way around. Um, but we're going to start off with first, Dan, and we're going to do a little bit of a, a back and forth here. So, basic idea: we're going to come up with three boneheaded decisions from yesterday. We, I know, we have to limit it to three. Um, <laughs> That's right. And there can be some overlap. I think we're. I'm. Kyle's going to do a little bit better at this than I am. I'm going to, I think things are going to spark and I'll probably come back at the end and think that I missed a few, but at this point, as we reflect back at this point, Monday morning, uh, we're going to kind of try to choose three different plays that we recognize. We're just really um, poor, poor decision-making. So uh, Kyle, why don't you kick us off? We're, we're going to see how this goes. We'll see if it, if it goes from worst or, uh, least bad to to bad or or what but why don't you just start us off with your your first decision so i i think sam's probably going to focus on more of the game stuff so i'm going to say my first decision is the decision that was made even before the game began and it was the decision that so christian darisaw was injured and so rather than put in rashad hill your backup left tackle and leave the o-line the other four starting spots status quo they instead shuffled things so they could get Oliudo, who's been starting at right guard all year, to left tackle. And then they put Mason Cole, who's been playing pretty well at center, kicked him over to right guard. And they put Gary Bradbury, who's, of course, a draft bust, back in at center. And so you had the one injury. You then had three changes on your O-line rather than just going for one change in your O-line with Rashad Hill. And so that obviously suggests they don't have any confidence in Rashad Hill because uh, it's not like Bradbury's a world leader. And nor should we believe that Oliudo, who is 
had some better games, but mostly had some underwhelming games at right guard, and they kicked him out to left tackle, probably the premier position on your own line. Uh, that, to me, was just needlessly complicated. Oludo got flagged a couple times. Uh, there's pressure on Cousins a few different times. That's that's my first really boneheaded decision. I think they overthought it and made it needlessly complicated. Was, was that on your list, Sam? It wasn't on my list, and I, like you said, I was. I'm going more for play calls rather than yeah. those kind of decisions. But now that you say that, uh, I saw a lot of people talking about that, and I definitely can see that being a, a poor decision. Like again, I don't. I always va- evaluate the offensive line from as a whole as a group, but yeah. it did seem like there was a lot of shuffling and. Um, the Detroit line team, I, I was trying to figure out, I was like, is it just this offensive line is not doing great or are they actually uh, average to maybe even like, they, they almost looked like an above average uh, defensive front yesterday against this, this Vikings yeah. team. And I was surprised by that. And the crazy thing is, I mean, Vikings fans are saying, yeah, we got no Daniel and no Griff, which is true. And that sucks, but they don't have Trey Flowers, who's a borderline elite edge rusher. And I mean, they were missing their other starter as well. So I, it was kind of tit for tat, or as Dwight Dwight Schrute would say, tit for tit. So, you know, and and then they're they were still able to be disruptive at various stages, right? Yeah. So, uh, I hate that coaching decision. I, I think it was a brutal choice. Uh, I don't think there's a reason why they lost, but bad coaching decision. Yeah. So that, that's my that's my number one. Sam, do you want to get one in before? Let's let's do a back and forth. One yeah. one 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 one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I can steal your ideas if they're really good. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first one that I have, and it's a little bit of a package deal, and I don't criticize the actual idea of going for two, but the plays that were called on the two-point convert, is particularly the first one, where there was the, I believe it was a fake handoff to Madison, and then it was a delayed handoff uh, to Wang Wei, and, and it was just like so poorly executed that I just had such a hard time thinking of, of this play working, especially on the goal line, especially considering how those, the lines were playing as each other. Um, yeah. And, and so like, I, I certainly can't look back and say, you know what? Hey, if you just kicked the extra point on all three of those two point converts, it's a tie game. Um, I don't think that's fair because at the points of the games that you get one for the two point convert, I think they all made sense, but the play calling as a whole on the two point convert uh, I found very underwhelming. Yeah, so here's my retort to that. Yeah, the execution was awful, but I actually disagree with the decision to go for two in that instance. Which, which now, the, the first time, the play first that you're one. highlighting with, yeah. with Wang Wu getting stuffed. Um, I mean, one, like I get it. You know, Madison's going over to the right side as well. And in theory, then the linebacker should shift down. They should chase him, create a little bit of a seam. You sneak Wang Wu kind of up off of... Um, as far as I could tell off the offensive tackles backside, Brian O'Neill's backside and just kind of sneak him up nice and quick. And uh, you know, he's, he scores a two point conversion. So like, I understand the theory behind it. The execution was dreadful. Um, I just hate the decision to go for two there. Now I recognize that if you go for two and you get it, it's then a three point game. So you can kick a field goal and tie it. Right. And I, I see that that's important, but the problem is in a sense is that if you kick the extra point, now it's a four point game. And then if the Lions go down and kick a field goal, which they did do on the very next drive, then it's seven points rather than eight points. And now, you know, the Vikings, you know, respond with a touchdown. And then by necessity, they have to do a two-point conversion um, because, you know, you're, you're, you just score the TD, you get six points, now you're still down by two. Whereas if you'd got that extra point 
a, a perfectly reasonable thing to do in that instance be down four points uh, the lions go up by three more it's seven point lead you can just again just have your touchdown have your and then you're not kind of because it's kind of deflating you know what i mean like it's it just feels like you to get the wind taken out of your sails when you score a touchdown and then don't get the points at the end i mean we missed three two-point conversions yesterday um and i really think the first one kind of contributed to us spiraling a little bit uh so i actually sam's right the execution was poor but i kind of man I, the decision in the first place i'm putting that on zim i don't i don't like that decision yeah no that's totally fair that's uh cal what, what your, what's your second decision that you're uh, gonna label as a bonehead decision yeah second bonehead decision so i mean that that was in there but you you got it so i'll i'll leave it end of the first half the end of the first half, they were past the halfway marker. Um, and you got, you got first and 10, you know, and, and, and Feely's talk, Jay Feely, he used to be an NFL kicker. So, of course, he's always, you know, when, when you're a hammer, every problem's a nail, right? So he's, he's a kicker. He therefore wants to see the Vikings pick up yards so they can nail a kick, right? So I get that he's probably a little bit biased towards that option insofar as he is, like, he's literally a kicker by trade. That's his was his profession. Um, but he was right. You know, he was right. If they just picked up five or six more yards, they would have been in field goal position. And that's three points for the Vikings, right? Instead, they just, like, I like the aggressive play call, but again, the execution was so poor. And so you don't actually pick up over, they went forward and fourth down. And over four downs, they pick up no yards at all, right? And it was so disappointing to see uh, not only do you come away with zero points in that instance, but you actually give the Lions pretty darn good field position, right? And then they're able to march down the field and kick their own field goal before the half, adding on even more points to the Lions kind of thing. So uh, you're, you're going down that drive and you're saying to yourself, okay, it's 17 to six. At the very least, we score a field goal here, 17-9, one score game going into the half. Instead, you go into the half at 20 to six. You're saying we need a full two touchdowns to even tie the friggin' Lions, right, in the second half. And so to me, that almost felt like a six-point swing. Um, you know, the Vikings could have still been aggressive, still prioritized the touchdown um, as they also secured field goal position. Because ideally, again, in those scenarios, you're always saying, we, we need to come away with points, and we need to ensure the Lions have no more time on the clock. Right, the opposition can't get the ball back and actually do something with it. And again, they accomplished neither of those goals. They didn't get any points, and then they left enough time on the clock for the Lions to move the ball, and they did, and they scored three points. And so, to me, that felt like a six-point swing. Uh, and again, it's deflating. Uh, it was stupid. There's no need for it. Uh, I'm sure everyone on their couch could see that, and you know that Jay Feely was leading them in that direction. So fair enough, but. I, I, to me, that was a very stupid thing to do. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because as I was thinking about, I, I had two and I was trying to think of a third and that sequence of events was actually on my list too. And so I, I will double up, but I, mm -hmm. just the decision-making all over on actually both sides of the ball, like it was kind of hilarious to see the Lions call that timeout uh, after the, the Jefferson uh, short catch that like he, he yeah. got a, I think it was a seven yard catch didn't get out of bounds and the yeah. lions called a timeout and i was like oh my goodness 
So I'm going to label it a bonehead decision, despite the fact that it ended up kind of working out for the Lions. Um, but just the play calling all around, you, you highlighted it on that final series, uh, was just painful to watch. And, and like you said, it felt like this team was close to having these plays where they would they could get into scoring range and something just stalled. And yeah. Um, yeah. I like I I think that a lot of weeks we've we've put the blame on the defense more than the offense. And yesterday was definitely I would definitely put the 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 ball at the feet of the offense. Really? The majority on the offense. Wow. I just I right. I thought that they like I just felt like they they should have been able to do significantly better. I, I understand there's there's issues on both sides of the ball and, and I'll get into my last one, but uh from my perspective, I felt like the offense was was more at fault than the defense. Okay, let, let's get into that in, on second down, maybe. We'll come come back to that because I think you're in a very small minority when Interesting. you have that okay. opinion. Yeah. Well hit me with your last one. Uh so the last one for me was obviously the the final drive, right? Where uh, Zim decided to play prevents. You know, the, the first I was watching the game with my wife, and um, and you know the uh, the drive started. The Lions began with less than two minutes. They had to go seventy five yards, and they didn't have any timeouts. And it's Jared Goff, for goodness' sake, and the Lions who haven't won the game all, all season. And so you know, there certainly is an advantageous position for the Vikings to be in. And on that first play, they picked up I think five or six yards and was kept in bounds. And I said to my wife. That is just perfect. You know, if they can only pick up five, six yards and stay in bounds, that that's, you know, that, that, that's, that's a victory. Because basically at that rate, they're going to have to, you know, Goff is going to have to heave it up from 30, 40 yards. You know, it's the Hail Mary. And I say, you know what, you live with that to a certain extent. Instead, what happened was they were able to get chunk gains, eight yards, 15 yards, 12 yards, eventually getting down to the point where they're, uh, what the 12 yard line, 11 yard line, something like that, you know, within very reasonable striking distance of the end zone, I can throw it that far. Sam can throw it that far. You know, you're like an NFL quarterback, there's, there's no issue at all with uh, how far he has to throw the ball. And of course the decision to sit back and play coverage, right. And, and not bring an extra pass rusher. And then especially at the end, when you had a three men rush, it was just unbelievably stupid. To me, if you have your full defensive line in there, if you've got Griff and Hunter, both with their ears pinned back, and you get them in that wide nine alignment, right? And they can just basically like a sprinter stance. As soon as that ball is snapped, they just shoot, right? And it, you know that, that, that's a big deal. And, and maybe you say, okay, well, with, with those guys at D-line, we're okay with bringing three or four and dropping everybody else back. But those final drives, or those final plays, rather, on that final drive, only bringing three, Goff had essentially nothing to worry about in terms of getting hit, was just unbelievably stupid. You know, Blake Lynch was the extra man at a couple points throughout the game. He got home twice, forced to fumble on one, right? Why do you not at least, you know, bring, bring a fourth guy, right? Like, you do need to drop guys in coverage. You do need to be playing like a prevent cover four of sorts. I'm all good with that, but only bringing three was just in, in, inexcusable, like unbelievably stupid in the end. So I, I don't know what your, your thoughts are on that final drive. If you have a different 
like point well, altogether or just on that final drive if there's other things that you didn't like or yeah well you're 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 a better you have a better understanding of this systematic ideas behind it and I, like for me i evaluated more from just a feel and it did feel like what they were giving the lines this was my 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 last decision was was the decision i wanted to focus specifically on the last play of the game yeah um, sure. i know it's not fair because they're like in some ways, there's a lot of decisions like you've highlighted that were made before you got to that play. And yeah. it did feel like it was just the the way the defense was set up is like, okay, we'll just give you the enough to get a first down on each play here uh, and, and do that. And the last play, like, I think it was just this thing where it's like, you either do one or the other, you play, you, you send more than three guys to mm-hmm. put the pressure on Goff, or you make sure that there is no way that a player is going to catch the ball. Like I, I thought if a player is going to catch the ball, it's going to be Goff is running around for 20 seconds and finally some guy it's open. But like the guy literally just did a button hook in the end zone and was able to catch the ball and like 11 yards, it was 11 yard throw. It is uh, a shorter distance, but like how you can, like they were sitting in all, all of them were sitting in the end zone and he literally just ran in, turned around and caught like, there's there's two guys there. I just I can't understand how you can sit there and um, not provide more coverage, especially at the start of 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 the play. Um, so you might was, have a different understanding of how it works, but I just uh, it, it blew my mind how um, how that went. So the the error was Cameron Dantzler's, and it yes. was and it was a mental error, right? So. What, what you should have is four defenders, five defenders, actually, I think is what they had, uh, all on the, the line, the, the, the end zone line. And then they had three guys behind them, layered behind them, covering the deeper area, right? And it'd go, go back and rewatch. And I, I retweeted the video on my Twitter, at Vikings Gazette on Twitter, and uh, provided a brief little snippet about Dancer, what he did wrong. He opens his hips. So he's playing off coverage, which is fine. Right, because he's at the end of the day, if it's eleven yards, so they gain ten yards or less, doesn't mean a damn thing. Who cares, right? So you really are only concerned about that eleventh yard and that end zone line. As soon as the ball penetrates that line, it's touchdown. So that's what you're defending against. There's no time left. This is what we need to stop them from doing. Watch Cameron Dancer though on that play. Go rewatch that video. And so he's sitting right on that line, and as the receiver comes towards him. He opens up his hips and starts to get depth, right? Which is, you know, what you would do in a normal situation and probably, but there's no, this is not a normal situation. This, this is the final play of the game. You're defending that line. His responsibility is to stay strong at that line and ensure that nothing, you know, there's nothing completed there. And if it comes up short, if the, it's eight yards, nine yard hook, he comes up, rallies for the tackle, stops them, it's game over. Instead, he opens his hips, starts getting depth. And as a result, the receiver has multiple yards of space. And so it was just an unbelievably boneheaded decision from Cameron Dantzler. And I do think that in all likelihood, it's that kind of thing that has kept him off the field. If just a lack of focus in critical situations, I don't know if that extends to the practice field or it's just what Zim's seeing on game day when he does get in, but it's that kind of thing where overall he actually had a really nice day. Right. They did really didn't target him much. They were picking on Breland at various points. Dancer, of course, had the big interception. Um, but that decision in that moment, 
I mean, Zim was telling all his guys, I can guarantee you have five guys in the end zone line. I can guarantee the call was the coverage there is you stay strong on the line. Mm -hmm. You get three guys layered over top, right. Who have that kind of depth kind of thing. Um, and that's not what, like, he just well, go, go and rewatch it and see how early he opens his hips to start getting depth rather than staying square and defending the line. It's just an unbelievably stupid decision from Dantzler. Yeah. So I, I believe you. I'll, I'll, I'll go watch after we're done. Um, okay. Well, he seems skeptical. I had to keep telling him to watch the video. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I believe you again. I said, you're, you're smarter than me on this. So I, I definitely believe that um, that makes sense. It did. Like I seeing where they were positioned, it felt like okay. But but seeing where the defense was sitting at the very end, when the, when uh, I, I don't even remember who caught it, um, doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just it was there. just unbelievable. Um, so you you talked a little bit. You mentioned Zim there, and, and maybe we'll transition here to second down. Um, as we're transitioning, I did want to ask, like, if you think when was the last time you felt. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this in a, in a way like when was the last game that you felt like the Vikings had that they blew a game that was against as inferior as an opponent uh, a critical moment in the season I don't know like how how long has it been has it been several years since they've lost a game like this several years now I mean to a certain I, to a certain extent I, I felt this way about uh, after the bye against the the Cowboys Right. Uh, in that Cooper rush, like, uh, look, I get it. Right. The Cowboys have talent. They're not the lions. They got a you know good record, but it's frigging Cooper rush. You know what I mean? So at some point you basically got to say, like, boys figure it out here. Right. Like, you know, we got, we got to actually rally and be, so the way that I felt with the lions, it's magnified because it's, it's the lions, but I felt this way at very points at various points throughout this season. Um, but in terms of like, pathetic embarrassing it, like i think because i think you're striking at something like a little bit different than what i'm describing here yeah so i'd probably say the first year that kirk cousins was here this is the one that comes to mind there might be other examples but the first year that kirk cousins was here we game, came up short of the playoffs and the vikings had to beat the chicago bears in the final week of the season to get in and the bears were running their twos the whole way because they were already secured so they ran all backups pretty much and the Vikings still friggin' lost, right? You know, they just didn't show up at all. Uh, and that was one where it was just like, you know, just unbelievably embarrassing. Like you, you gotta go in. This is you literally you win and you're in. It's decided. And you're going against backups and you lose. And so that that was a remarkably discouraging game. This is a remarkably discouraging game. And in, in in a sense, they they both feel like they pretty much end the season. Mm -hmm. the bears one was in a very literal black and white way this one not so literal the vikings could in theory win the rest of their games and get in but i mean i don't know who could actually believe that at this point no not a whole lot of hope um so no. we we look a little bit um this this has definitely got a rank like i think what i was getting like it it's definitely got to be a low point in in zimmer's career with this yeah. vikings team as a head coach so i guess we'll we'll be brief here is this enough to finally convince the Wolves to make a change? Yeah, so I don't think I don't think a change is going to happen this week. Like, I don't think we're going to go onto Twitter after this or wherever you go for your sports news, latest sports news, and see that Zim's been fired, largely because they play on Thursday night. 
So, you know what I mean? Like you, you got a game in like three days, dude. Like, so you, you kind of, it's, it's difficult to make that major of a change at this stage, even if it was merely elevating Andre Patterson, which is almost certainly what they would do. Uh, and then I'll also, and I want to give the Wolves credit for this because you don't want to be the Cleveland Browns. You don't want to be the Detroit Lions. You don't want to be reactionary, right? And I know that at this point, it's probably not reactionary because Zim has been here for almost eight years and there's been an awful lot of, you know, disappointment, especially over these past four years, almost four years. Uh, but you really don't want to make these decisions uh, in some sort of hasty manner, right? And and uh, the Wolves want to be more like the Steelers and the Ravens and less like the Browns and the Lions, right? Where you hang on just a touch too long rather than, than uh, go too early. So all that said, I don't think anything's going to happen this week. It's possible that a loss to the Steelers on Thursday night will lead to something happening. Uh, and then from there, if it doesn't, then I, I suspect this almost secures things in the offseason in terms of a new direction for the team. Uh, the team basically has to move on from Zim at this point, uh, short of some sort of miracle at the end where the guys rally and make noise in the playoffs. Like, this is this is basically it. Like, I don't want to hear any excuses about injuries and all that nonsense. The Lions were as injured or more injured than us, and they had just have a fired inferior roster. You know, so it's yeah. No, this is this is probably it. Has to be it. I think. Yeah, like you like the. So it's not necessarily that he's gone short term, but like they're like unless something miraculous happens, this is it for him at the end by the end of the season. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? I think that's correct. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's correct. And so we'll see what that means and who comes in as a result. But short of a miracle, I, I think this is it. I think this is it. Yeah. Right. Right. Again, and I like I think we always talk like you do need someone to replace him and you're so it's like if it's not him then then who and I, i'm sure there's several candidates and it probably in a sense you're going to get a better picture of that in the off season rather in the middle of the season if if, if you're doing the middle of the season you're you're hiring an interim coach mm-hmm. and kind of playing it the rest of the season and see how that goes yeah. um yeah it it i i guess like you said you don't want to be rushed into this decision or feel like you're you're making it on a, a win but it doesn't at this point it feels like um there's been some build-up towards this and it feels like the yeah. amount of of um, zimmer supporters is dropping off week by week I, i'm crazy i'm a zim supporter i love yeah. mike zimmer i like i think he's an excellent defensive mind overall and i like i love what he did for the team like how he brought us back we had a really we really weren't in a great spot as a franchise when he took over. Um, and so I'll always respect Mike Zimmer. And I, I really do think he's an excellent coach. Uh, and it, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he gets another head coaching job. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if he has a lot of success. Um, but I just think it's basically run its course at this stage. And the Vikings probably need to head in a new direction. So I'll say that. I, I respect Mike Zimmer. I cheer for him. I want him to succeed. Unfortunately, I just don't think it's going to happen in Minnesota. Yep. Yep. There's a, there's a shelf life and there's a, a timeline for every, every coach. And certainly. I think it's certainly fair that they would make that transition. I guess it is interesting to see, it will be interesting to see um, what they do with coaching staff, but also what they do with this roster. But you know what, we've got enough games left that we'll, we got lots of time to talk with the off season. We'll yep. stick with it. And, and to be fair, like there, we got a quick turnaround here with the Steelers on Thursday night. 
uh, short week. I guess what I'm wondering at this point, considering where they're at, like you, like you've mentioned, it, they either got to go on a significant run or they're done. And so yeah. I'm curious for you, from your perspective as a fan, what you're looking for on Thursday night from this team, um, and at what point you start cheering for a better draft pick. Yeah. I don't want to so, say it like that, but like, yeah, yeah like that's it's, essentially what, what it's going to come down to at some point here. If, if this course continues. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Cause the whole thing is, and this is where I like the NFL setup is like, so if you aren't going to have success in the, in the present moment, well then the focus shifts to having success in the future. Right. And so, and the NFL things can change really quickly, right? Like it's not like the roster is without talent and it's not like the roster is without youth, right? Like every, every single starting offensive lineman, except for Brian O'Neill, who signs an extension before the year, is on the rookie contract, right? Um, so there's, Justin Jefferson's still 22, right? KJ Osborne's also a sophomore. Uh, Alexander Madison's on his rookie deal. Tyler Conklin's on his rookie deal. Irv Smith is on his rookie deal. There's all kinds of, of youth, especially on offense. And so I don't believe that next season it's a full-scale rebuild. Um, so what I would say then is that on the one hand, you kind of think, you know what, just friggin' lose the Steelers, right? And just get that better draft pick and really solidify this, you know, this idea that the season is basically lost and you kind of remove any burden of expectation for Vikings fans the rest of the way. You don't really have to cheer for much apart from maybe seeing Justin Jefferson get some more great stats, right? Personal, like personal accomplishments for Jefferson would be excellent to see. And it would also be excellent to see the young guys develop, right? Like if, if you aren't rolling with these young dudes now, then and I, I don't know when you ever will. Let's, let's roll with these dudes, try and develop them and, uh, and basically start building towards that future, right? And then if they do lose on Thursday night, whereas it would really be difficult to fire a coach when you have a Thursday night game, relatively speaking, it'd be quite, not simple, but it'd be much easier to fire him following a Thursday night loss Insofar as you have that extra weekend, you get 10 days now uh, for the interim to kind of, you know, make those changes. It's a domino effect. People are going to take on new roles. Um, because, I mean, firing Mike Zimmer probably means you have to fire, I imagine, Adam Zimmer, his son as well, at the same time. And so, you know, there's, there's a f- few things that would need to happen. And uh, uh, so on the one hand, I kind of say this losing the Steelers but of course I hate cheering against the team and I kind of, honestly, I, I kind of expect the Vikings to win on Thursday night just because it'd be the most Vikings thing in the world to like, just totally crap for bed. Uh, and the Vikings fans are just furious. And, and, and then, you know, kind of come back and win this unexpected one and, and just, you know, string it along for just that much longer, prolong the suffering. You know, that's basically essentially what we did. Should have beat the Cowboys lost. Should have beat the Ravens lost. And they come back and they beat the Chargers and the Packers. You say, well, frick, you know? And then, you know, they, they're in that 49ers game. Could have won it. They lost, of course. Should have beat the Lions. Friggin' lost. And so this would be really typical and not in any way surprising if they did actually come out on Thursday night and find a way to squeak out a win. So on the one hand, it's nice to see a primetime win. On the other hand, you kind of say, let's, let's just end this, you know, end it early and, and start developing young talent looking towards the future and let's go from there. Yeah. 
it was funny. It hit me this week and I didn't really realize, and there's not really a whole lot of reason except for um, maybe just Roethlisberger, but I really don't like the Steelers as a team. Like I don't want them to succeed. Like, I don't know what it is about how the team is constructed. Um, Seeing the news that there's some rumors. It's always amazing. Like how these private statements that are made in a room get leaked. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Ben's had private conversations three minutes ago that uh, he's going to retire and now it's everyone knows. Um, But uh, I am curious to see if that means after that news is out, if he rallies and just has an incredible end of the season or like, I don't know, with him, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's almost a, he checks out and he's, uh, he's done and, and good to go. And so it is going to be interesting. I, again, I, I want, I would, I would love for this team. Option number one is for this team to rally and mm-hmm. win and get into playoffs and just have some fun. I think it would just be fun to see a playoff game. I know that's not the best for long-term success or whatever, but I think that that's still, at least from my perspective, option number one. Um, right. And then option number two, I guess, in a sense, is this team battles really well, but for 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 long-term success, it would be almost that they lose every every game uh, moving forward. And it does feel a little bit painful. Like there is just still that sliver of hope at this point. Yeah, that's um, the thing. Yeah, and exactly. it's just, it, it's painful because it's like, you just don't know what you're cheering for. And, and I guess... It's just one of those things where you, like last season, you just string it together and there's a chance up leading up to the last week, but really there wasn't a whole lot of chance. And um, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I, I I think the hope is still for them to win, but it, like it does feel like a, lo- a loss would relax the atmosphere a little bit or just be like, okay, like we, we know the direction that, that they're going moving forward. Exactly. And so, and if we do take that direction, if that ends up kind of unfolding, then the one thing I'll add to that is I don't want them to lose every game. I want them to beat the Packers, make life more difficult for the Packers, make sure they don't get a bye week, you know, whatever. Uh, and if they lost every other game, that's like, okay, fair enough. And, and so you finish the year, what would it be? Uh, six and 11, I guess, 17. Um, so six and 11, I guess would be the, the end result, which is yikes. That's a bad year, especially for a team that's so talented. Uh, it's just, so, I mean, in a lot of ways, six and 11 might be best case at this stage, but I mean, who knows who freaking knows there probably will beat the Steelers and maybe they'll even get a win the week after and bring themselves back up to 500 and then everyone's back in and they can break our heart again. Yeah. Yeah. Protect your hearts, fans. Um, Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, well, let's wrap up uh, with the Vikings talk there and, and we'll shift into the wild update. And this mm-hmm. week's wild update has a little bit of a different feel for me because um, all, all those are listening are obviously Vikings fans. Um, and I've been honest and transparent about, especially after a week like this, um, they, uh, I, I have a hard time jumping on the uh, cows holding up a sign here, go wild. Um <laughs> throw me off but i uh i don't even remember what i was saying i i was saying i think like the i'm i've been hesitant to jump into uh, the viking fandom but i cheer for the toronto maple leafs like kyle cheers for the vikings and so the minnesota wild played the the leafs this week and i've been 
cheering for the wild in some ways, especially just seeing how, how things are gone. And it's helpful because they're in a different conference as the yep. Leafs. Um, but this week watching them play the Leafs, um, like I have not seen three luckier goals scored in a, in a game by than than I did from the wild. Um, and okay. the shootout yeah. is fake and isn't hockey. So um, enjoy your, your fake win. Um, no, you know what? They, they played well. They, they did grind and, and to get lucky goals, you do need to put the pressure on and, and they did that and watching them play the least. Um, it would be a lot of fun to watch them play in a playoff series that would require both yeah. teams to make the finals. Yeah. Uh, but but I liked what that team brought against the Leafs, and I felt like they um, they just systematically it's just it's incredible to watch, and and they've definitely got some skill. They definitely don't they they're lacking skill outside of uh, Kaprizov, really. But it is it is a fun um, fun team to watch in the sense they they've actually opened things up a little bit. I know they, they used to be very defensive and it feels like they've, they've grown a little bit and, and being able to allow for the team to, to roll a little bit more offensively, but um, yeah, you know what, congrats on your, whatever win on, on Saturday. And um, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. You know, I, I gave Sam credit uh, at the beginning for that lion's call for the game. He messaged me. I was, it was an entertaining game. The, the Leafs Wild game was it was a fun game to watch, and uh, I messaged him after the Zuccarello uh, shootout goal. I think I said something effective. You know, I think Campbell's jockstrap is up in the rafters. I mean that, you know, that move he put on was pretty slick. And then Kaprizov uh, throwing that change up, you know, that was a pretty sneaky uh, goal he he had there in the shootout to end things. And so I'll just, I'll just highlight, I'll just highlight uh, how slick those two goals were in, in, uh, and in fairness, Austin Matthews, you know, you saw that guy's second goal or rather he was a second shooter and his, his shootout goal was, was you know, it's also pretty slick. So I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him credit for that one. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like Sam, I don't like the shootout. I, I would much sooner the NHL just fully transition to three on three indefinitely and the game ends when someone scores but um Carrillo had a he had a nice goal there and so does that Carrillo. Yes. yeah to, to be clear i only hit the shootout because my team lost um but i also no I, I i do i i i kid i also i also wish that like i just find three and three so exciting i think that it is interesting exactly. it, it was it was thrilling and then uh, the puck possession way that they've gone about three and three is interesting now but i think that things would potentially um, it would be interesting if it actually was just, you know, what continuous three and three until someone scores. Uh, cause at some point people got to get tired. Uh, so can I, uh, so the simple yes or no, yeah. right. Gary Benton calls you somehow gets your phone number and says, you know what? I, I just like, I need you to help me in this decision. We scrap the shootout three on three until someone scores. That's how we're going to go moving forward. Yes or no, Sam, you get to decide what, what, what would you decide? Am I allowed to explain after I say yes or no? No, no, yes or no. Uh, no. Wow. Okay. Well, because I got an al- I've got I've got an alternative plan, but I'm but you I'm I'm limited to yes or no, so we'll just leave. Okay. Well, you know what? We'll 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 leave that for next pod. Then come come listen to the next pod to get uh, Sam's alternative plan. Yeah. Yeah. I 
I like I've got the solution, but but <laughs> yeah. everyone's gonna wait. You gotta come back. Um, yeah. Okay. So go. we'll wrap up there. It uh, we got a short week. We'll I don't know when we'll actually release the next episode. We're hoping to record a little bit earlier. Um, so maybe we'll be able to get it to people um, before Monday morning next week with with the Thursday night game. But but it'll definitely be up by by Monday. Uh, Kyle, where can listeners find some of your stuff? Well, if you want to watch that Dantzler video, which I told Sam about, you can find that on uh, Twitter at Vikings Gazette, or you can uh, head over to purpleptsd.com. I'm the managing editor over there. And so there's a lot of content up there all the time. Check it out. Uh, otherwise, listen here if you feel so inclined. And uh, with my thanks to Purple Pain Forums, if you like forums or think you might like forums, then you can check them out. And so my thanks to them for uh, allowing Sam and I to post on there and and being a welcoming community to us. Absolutely. Yeah, and also thanks to TPPN, uh, Pigskin, Pigskin Podcast Network, struggling with that. But uh, yeah, thanks to them <laughs> and excited to be part of these communities. So uh, take care, everyone, and have a good week.